Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, verse 9. We continue our study. On salvation. And we talked this morning. I want to talk this morning on by grace. By grace. Ephesians chapter 2. I want us to look at verse 8 and verse 9. Familiar verses of Scripture. It'll be on the screen. It's on your handout. But if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to look there as well. Let's read. Ephesians 2 verse 8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's read it one more time. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God not by work so that no one can boast. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. And I ask today that Your Word would come alive to us. And I pray today that You would give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say. And I pray today that it would change us and have an impact upon us. And I pray today that if there's one who does not know You, that today would be the day that they meet You. I pray today to, that we would leave this place different than the way we've come. And so God, now do a work in our hearts. And I pray that You'd give me the grace and ability and the anointing to say what needs to be said. And I thank You now for what You're about to do in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you were to die today and stand before God and He asked you this question, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? That question gets to the very heart of what are you trusting in for eternal life. And I can't think of a more important question that you need to be crystal clear on. Because the reality is if you place your hope of eternal life in something only to find out that when you stand before God that it will not get you into heaven, you're doomed. You see, there are no makeup exams at the judgment seat. There will be no do-overs when you stand before God. So you have to get it right before you leave this world. Amen. Now when you come to the end of your life and you stand before God, you don't get a second chance. You don't get a makeup exam. You don't get a mulligan as we like to call it in golf. I, I like mulligans. I like do-overs. When you shake one into the woods, I like taking another one off the tee. But when this life is over and you stand before God, if you've gotten it wrong... You don't get reincarnated and get to try to do it again. That's it. So you have to get it right now. And so over the past couple of weeks, I've tried to make it clear what the Bible says about this crucial question. But even so, it's not uncommon to have people to still answer by saying, I've lived a good life and done the best that I could do. 
Or I'm basically a good person and I've never tried to hurt anyone. In fact, if you were to take a survey of a lot of people, that's what they would answer if you asked them, what does it take to go to heaven? Well, be a good person, do good things, and God will let me go to heaven. But can I tell you, those are the wrong answers when it comes to getting into heaven. You see, to go to heaven, it requires a spiritual resurrection from the dead. It requires God having forgive you your sins so that you're reconciled to Him. But for that to happen, you have to be clear on the biblical truth of how that happens. And so this morning in our passage, Paul explains God's way of salvation. Hear me, this is God's way of salvation, not man's way of salvation. Paul tells us that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. And that's it. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. That's it. There is no other way to be saved. If a person wants to be saved, these verses tell them how to be saved. And so I want to give you four truths from these Verses this morning. So truth number one is this. We are saved by God's grace. We are saved by God's grace. The word saved means to be rescued or delivered from sin and judgment. And Paul says that we are saved or rescued or delivered by grace. And so we've got to answer the question, what is grace? It's hard for us to understand it, but grace simply defined is the unmerited favor and kindness of God for the undeserving. The grace of God means that God reaches out to those who deserve nothing from Him but His judgment and wrath. The grace of God means that God turns His favor for those who deserve His judgment and condemnation. It means that God reaches down to those who cannot reach up to Him. It means that God goes to those who will not come to Him. Hear me, when you didn't want anything to do with God, God wanted something to do with you. When you were not looking for Him, God came looking for you. That's grace. When you didn't want Him, God wanted you. That is grace. When you you didn't love Him, God loved you. That's grace. Amen. That's what it is. When we didn't deserve anything and God gives it to us, that is grace. Hear me this morning. Lost people are dead, radically depraved, totally deceived and utterly doomed in their sins, but God in His grace reaches out to them and saves them by His amazing, abundant grace. We were going our own way, doing our own thing, but God intervened, God stepped in. Why? Because of His grace. That's why we're saved. You see, being saved by grace means that we didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it. That's what it means. If we did anything to earn it or deserve it, it's not grace. If you did anything to merit your salvation... It's not grace. If you did anything to work for it, it's not grace. Let me say this. If God owes it to us because we're pretty good people or we've tried the best we can, it's not grace. If God gives it to us because He foresaw that we would believe based on our own free will, it's not grace. If He foresaw that you'd have faith, it's not grace. 
Grace means that we get the opposite of what we deserve. We deserve God's wrath. We deserve His judgment. We deserve to go to hell because we've all sinned against Him. But guess what? We get grace. That's how we're saved. And here's what I want you to think about this morning. Grace goes against the grain of human thinking because we say it's not fair. You see, we want fairness. We value fairness, don't we? If someone does wrong, we say they should get what's coming to them. If someone does right, we say they need to be rewarded. But if someone does wrong and gets rewarded in spite of it, we say, that's not fair. Let me just illustrate it this way. Take a guy that's a thief. He's stolen from hardworking people. At times he's hurt his victims and maybe even killed them. Finally, he's apprehended and he's convicted. And on death row, he hears about God. He hears about grace. And he knows that God will forgive all of, the, all of his sins if he'll simply believe in Christ and trust in Him. He knows that he doesn't deserve it. But he's heard that God is gracious and God is merciful and God is compassionate. And if he'll simply trust in Jesus, God will forgive him because God is gracious. At first, he can't believe it. At first, he thinks it's too too good to be true, but finally he accepts it, he puts his trust in Christ, and on the day of his death, he dies and he goes to heaven, and we say that's not fair. But all of a sudden you take a second case. You've got a guy that's very religious, he prays several times a day, he fasts twice a week, he gives 10% of his income to charity. He doesn't swindle people out of money. He treats other people fairly. He's been faithful in his marriage. He thinks that he's doing all of these things that he can somehow commend himself to God, but he dies and he goes to hell. And we say, that's not fair. But guess what? I didn't make these stories up. They're in your Bible. The thief on the cross... Had robbed people and probably hurt innocent people, but he heard about Jesus. In fact, he's hanging next to him on the cross. And he said, today will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Did he have any time to go out and right his wrongs? Absolutely not. What got him into heaven? Grace. But in Luke 18, that I preached several weeks ago about you got the Pharisee who went in proudly to the temple and boasted about how often he fasted and prayed and how much he tithed. And he bragged that I'm not like all these other people and I'm especially not like this tax collector. And the Bible says he didn't go home justified. He wound up in hell because he thought that his own goodness and his own good works could commend himself to God. We value fairness. But can I tell you something? Heaven's not a place for good people. Heaven is a place for bad people that God has saved by His grace. Jesus said it's not those that are well that need a physician. It's for those who are sick. And He said, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came to call the unrighteous. 
You see, what's going to keep a lot of people out of heaven is they don't realize how sick they are. They don't realize how much of a wretch they are. Because the reality is, grace cuts against our pride. Because naturally, we all somehow think that we're not that bad. Because we're not thieves and liars and murderers and homosexuals. Pastor, I'm not that bad. The reality is, most of us that have grown up in church our whole lives, we think, well, I'm not that much of a sinner. That'll keep you out of heaven if you don't watch it. That kind of attitude will cause you to miss heaven. To think, I'm not that bad. Is this okay? I know we might not shout around this morning, but listen, that kind of attitude will keep you out of heaven. Because the fact is, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if you don't realize your sinfulness, you'll miss heaven. We need a Savior. And the only way we're going to get saved is by grace. Amen? You see, here's the reality. If God were fair, we'd all go to hell. Because we've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. See, God could send us all to hell. And guess what? He'd be just. He'd be right in doing it. In fact, I've often wondered, why didn't God just wipe everything out and start all over? But God wanted to be gracious. Amen? We somehow act like when, God, when, when Adam sinned in the garden that God had to wipe his head and figure out what he was going to do. God already knew what he was going to do. Listen, God's never had a plan B. Jesus is a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God, God's always had plan A. He's never had plan B. God's always known. Let me share this with you. Someone has rightly described grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Amen? He took it upon Himself. And I get to enjoy the blessings. By grace. And again, we naturally resist God's grace because it robs us of all our pride. But hear me, there's no other way of salvation. It's by grace alone. But we've got to also understand faith, which leads me to point number two. We are saved through faith. So what's faith? The word faith refers to a conviction of truth of something, refers to belief. Saving faith is simply coming to the place where one believes with absolute conviction that everything the Bible says about Jesus is true. That's it. Salvation is not the result of doing anything. It is the result of a lost sinner simply taking God at His word. That's the clear teaching of some of the greatest, clearest verses in the Bible. Listen to Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. People want to talk about what's, what's the steps of salvation. There are no steps. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see any steps in there? What's it saying? Believes. Acts 16.31 They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. 
I believe the Bible is pretty clear on this matter. The way of salvation is to take God at His word and believe the gospel. So what's the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. For what I received, I passed on you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel. He died, He was buried, and He rose again. That's the gospel. It's Jesus. Listen, if somebody says they're preaching the gospel and they never mention Jesus, they didn't preach the gospel. You can't have the gospel without Jesus. You can't have the gospel without the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection. You have no gospel if you take away Jesus. Paul said he would glory and he'd glory in Christ and in the cross alone. Saving faith is taking God at His word and personally trusting in Jesus Christ. It's committing your eternal destiny to what He did for you on the cross. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. He paid it in full. And you commit yourself to Him and what He did, not what you do. Why is that hard for us to understand sometimes? It's not about what we do. It's committing yourself to what He did. But I want to say something about saving faith. Saving faith doesn't originate with us. You see, it's not enough to know facts about Jesus and believe what the Bible says is true about Him. You see, here's the thing. The, the devil's not an atheist. The devil knows Jesus is real. The devil knows Jesus is the Son of God. The devil knows He was born of a virgin. He knows that he died and rose again, but guess what? The devil's not going to heaven. You can know it intellectually up here in your mind, but until you really know it down deep in your soul and in your heart, until it sticks and you commit yourself to it, you can't be saved. And that's where you need God to awaken you and quicken you and do something in you by the Spirit of God where you can really believe. And so that kind of faith comes from God. Notice that Paul said that we're saved by grace through faith. And he says, this not of yourselves or that not of yourselves. And there's debate as to what that word that refers to. Most modern expositors argue that the word that refers to the entire process of salvation by grace through faith. That everything's by God. The entire process of salvation, it comes from God. Even the faith to believe comes from God. And I believe that I can give you scriptures to show you that saving faith and repentance, which are linked. Listen, faith and repentance, they're two sides of the same coin. They're linked and they're not from ourselves, but they're God's gift. Let me give you scriptures. Philippians 1.29 For it has been, notice this word, granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe, but also to suffer. You see that? It's been granted to you to believe. Let me read another translation of that verse. Go to the next slide. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting. So He has to give you the privilege has to grant you faith. 
to believe. Acts chapter 11 verse 18. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, So then, even to Gentiles, God has, notice this, granted repentance that leads to life. God has to grant repentance. Look at the the next slide in the New Living Translation. He's given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. God grants saving faith. Now you might think, well, don't we have faith every day of our lives? And the reality is we all exercise faith in many things every day. When we drive, we trust that others are going to obey the traffic laws. When we, we trust that our food and waters aren't, aren't contaminated. That's a kind of faith. We trust that the doctor who scribbles an unreadable prescription and the pharmacist who looks at that scribbling and hands us a bottle of pills that when we take it, it's not going to kill us. That's a type of faith. We trust the bank with our paycheck. And we may think that people just need to transfer that faith to Jesus as the object of their faith. But here's the thing, saving faith is different. To the natural man, the cross is foolishness. He can't understand the things of God. He is blind to the light of the gospel. He is unable to submit to or please God. And so for the unbeliever in this darkened spiritual state to believe, God has to impart new life to him. And his immediate response is to believe in Christ. And so once a person is awakened and quickened and imparted life, he can believe in Christ. God has to grant faith for us to believe. Charles Spurgeon explained it this way. I ask any saved man to look back, to look back upon his own conversion and explain how it came about. You turned to Christ and believed on His name. These were your own acts and deeds. But what caused you thus to turn? Do you attribute Attribute this singular renewal to the existence of a something better in you than has yet been discovered in your unconverted neighbor? No, you confess that you might have been what he now is if it had not been that there was a potent saint, something which touched the spring of your will and lightened your understanding and guided you to the foot of the cross. Here's the thing. Those of us that are saved are saved because of a work that God has done in our lives. You might say, I I got saved because I I, I was reading the Scriptures one day. But here's the thing. What led you to read the Scriptures? I I, I got saved because I was hearing a preacher preach. But here's the thing. What was it about the preacher's message that day that led to your salvation? Something was working in your life. It It wasn't just happenstance. It wasn't just coincidence. But there was something about... That day, there was something about that moment. There was something that led you to that situation. What was it? It was a work of God. Can't take credit for it. Because here's the thing: if you if you ever listen to Gideon's and they and they find these Bibles where people have written in them that have gone into motel rooms and committed suicide, and they picked up Bibles and they were about to take their life, and they find a scripture, and and all of a sudden God convicts them and they they're saved. What led them to do that? It was the work of God. And that's the way it is with all of us. If you'll think about your salvation and what was that led you to it, you'll have to say it was a work of God. That you didn't do it. That God did it. 
God made you alive. God quickened you. God imparted faith for you to believe. So we're saved by grace. We're saved through faith. But thirdly, we're saved apart from our works. Paul says our salvation is the gift of God, not by works. He's going to great lengths to show us that the entire process of process of salvation comes to us apart from anything in us or anything that we do. The word works, it refers to that which one undertakes to do anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, or mind, an act, deed, or thing done. This word speaks of any human effort that is performed in the hope that it will secure salvation for the one performing the action. In other words, it refers to religious works and deeds. Paul is telling us that no one will ever be saved by any works they perform regardless of how holy those works may appear or how many works they perform. Paul is wanting us to understand that no matter how good we try to be, we will never be good enough. Hear what I'm about to say. Going to heaven requires perfection. And you know what man's problem is? He's not perfect. And here's the thing. Man can't attain perfection through his goodness Therefore, salvation cannot be obtained by our good works. Listen to Titus chapter 3, verse 5. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Listen to what I'm about to say. I may make some of you upset. We cannot save ourselves. And even after God saves you, you don't keep yourself saved by your good works. And even when you do bad, you don't unsave yourself. Because here's the thing, if you stopped all your sinning and don't believe in Jesus, guess what? You're still not saved. And I know that rubs some people the wrong way, but here's the thing. If you stop sinning and still don't put faith in Jesus, you're still not saved. And some people immediately think preachers talking about I can live any way I want to. That's not what I'm saying. But I grew up in fear my entire life that if I, that if I fell into sin any whatsoever, all of a sudden God's done, God's done away with me, God's kicked me out, and I, I, I've totally blown it, I'm going to go to hell. I lived in fear. But 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says, I've written these things to you that you may not sin. But if you sin, we have an advocate for the Father. I don't want you to sin, but if you do, you've got an advocate with the Father. Guess what? He's interceding for me. He don't want me to sin, but if I do, I've got an advocate who's interceding for me. That He's pleading on my behalf. Amen? He's covering it for me. And that's what you've got to understand. Take Peter, for example. Peter, Satan's desire to sift you. But I pray that your faith not fail. Peter, you're going to fall, but your faith's not going to fail. And we know Peter denied him three times, but guess what? Peter bounced back. He fell, but he got back up. 
And guess what? There's going to be times we're going to fall down. But guess what? If you're a child of God, we're going to get back up. That, that, that's what faith does. Faith perseveres. True faith perseveres. True faith keeps on. Oh, we might be chastened. We might be corrected. But faith perseveres. Faith keeps on. Why? Because He ever lives to make intercession for us. He works in our lives. He saves us. He sustains us. He keeps us. He guards us. Yes, He has to get us in line every now and then and correct us. But He don't kick us to the curb. Here, what am I about to say? Salvation will result in good works. I'll preach about that next week. Verse 10. For His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yes. Salvation results in good works. You'll bear fruit. But listen, salvation is not because of good works. Listen, the root of salvation is by grace through faith. Works are the fruit of salvation. That's what James chapter 2 is about. Without works, your faith, it proves it's dead. Faith without works is dead. So if a person says they've got faith and you, and you never see any kind of fruit whatsoever, well then you've got to start wondering whether or not they actually got faith. Because here's the thing, you can be good and still be lost. You can be religious and still be lost. I've got to move quickly because we've still got one more point. But there are, at least, there are at least six reasons why salvation must be a free gift and not a result of works. Number one, man cannot make God owe him. Man cannot put God in debt for work performed. And here's the thing. If it was by works, God would owe you something. And God's not going to owe man anything. Think about that. God's independent. And God's not going to owe you. Number two, man cannot bring perfection to God. God is perfect, God's incorruptible, and God is permanent. And here's the thing, man and everything about man is imperfect, corruptible, and decaying. And so we can't offer God or give God anything that's going to satisfy His perfection. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. And so any offer or gift from an imperfect man to a perfect God, guess what? It's going to fall short and be inadequate. Number three, man cannot make God forgive him. You see, we are the ones that have done wrong. We're the ones that have offended God and hurt him. We are the ones that have broken off the friendship and relationship with God. So we're the ones that are supposed to apologize and ask forgiveness. And God is the one who's supposed to forgive and have mercy. And if God chooses to have mercy, it comes from a heart of grace, not because man deserves it. Number four, Man cannot save himself. No matter what law or work was chosen to be the channel of salvation, there would be those that can never keep that particular law or perform that particular work. If salvation were by law and works, man can never be saved. So God made provision for salvation by grace and by grace alone. You see, the reason that God gave the law was to point to a Savior. To point to our need for a Savior. 
The law was never given to save people. It was to point to our sinfulness. That's why the law was given. Number five, man cannot make God love him. If salvation were by works, the love of God could never be known. God would be forced to save and bless us because He owes us, not because He loves us. Think about that. Our works would forever require Him to pay our wages. He wouldn't be free to do something for us simply because He loved us. We would only know what it is to be paid by God for work done and not out of love. His love wouldn't be free. Number six, man cannot set himself free and bring about liberty of conscience. You see, if we're saved by law and works, liberty and freedom of spirit and conscience would never be experienced. You see, we, we constantly fail and we come short and all of a sudden the guilt, the condemnation comes in. It eats away at us. It gnaws away at us. And so here's the thing. If God doesn't forgive us simply because He loves us, what's going to remove the guilt, the condemnation, and that which eats away at us? The law? The law can't remove that away from you. And so here's the thing. The law only points to your failure. The law only brings out what you've done. It shows your sinfulness. And so the only way that your conscience and your guilt is going to feel better is grace. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why you can't be saved by works and it has to be a gift. So let me give you my fourth and final point and we'll close. We're saved for the glory of God alone. Paul tells us that works are excluded from the process of salvation so that no one can boast. That word boast, it means to glory in a thing. Paul is telling us that if man were to earn his own salvation, he would be able to take the credit for it. He would boast about his achievement and he would set himself up as his own God and worship himself. Hear me this morning. If anyone were to make it to heaven on the basis of his own works, that person would spend eternity bragging about how he made it there. You can't tell me that he wouldn't because he would. But God's plan of salvation is something different. God works salvation in us by grace. He does it in such a way that He alone gets all the glory for every person that is saved. Nobody will be able to stand before Him on that day and say, hey, look at what I did to get here. No. Everybody who gets to heaven will have to name the name of Jesus as to how they got there. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26-29. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before Him. And I tell you, God doesn't save anyone because they're the best and the brightest and He certainly doesn't save anyone because they deserve it. He saves us because of His grace so that only He can get the glory. Listen, God didn't save you and God didn't save me because we deserved it. He saved us because of His grace and He saved us because He alone will get the glory for it. Amen. I want to say to us as we finish up this message this morning, regardless of what you do, you can never do enough. 
regardless of how good you try to be, you'll never be good enough. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. And I wish that we could really understand that today. And I know that more people probably might disagree this morning than agree with me, but you've got to understand it's by grace alone. It's by grace alone. Through faith, for His glory. So as I close, I ask you today, are you trusting in anything other than Jesus Christ to get to heaven? If so, you need to reevaluate your spiritual life. If you're trusting in your works, you'll never have enough works. Here's the thing, if you're trusting in what you do, how do you know you'll ever do enough? If you're trusting in your goodness, you'll never be good enough. But God has made a way for salvation to be possible. It's called grace. That's it. It's by grace. And I'm thankful today for His grace. And the only way I know to describe it, as the song says, it's amazing grace. Amen. You would please stand with me. Mary Beth, if you'd come this morning.